This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, it's uh, been two weeks now, so we have a lot to catch back up on. Um, but the most important thing for me is that we can be in the home stretch here. Considering the next time we do this, I will be in Arizona. And baseball will be starting back up again. And we can finally get back into topics of things happening and not just hoping for things to happen. And I legitimately cannot believe that we are, depending on the camp, basically like a week away from everyone getting started back up again because... I don't know. At the same time, it seems like the offseason went slow, but ridiculously fast. And so to think that we're already at this point is so exciting. And I'm so ready to have real tangible things to talk about again. I am so excited for that. But it feels like your Don Alvarez just hit that home run in the World Series. Like right? Jeremy Pena just got named World Series MVP. Like... It feels like these things happened yesterday, and yet here we are ready to go. I know. It's, it seems like it went in a blink of an eye in a lot of ways. So um, we can get right into it because I know you're starting to focus more on the 2023 season for sure. We all are. But now you're starting to get out your stories of starting to project more. We've started to go over the last few weeks all of the top tens from each position, which we can round those out this week. But it's finally here where we can actually start looking at it and be like, okay, next week we can start to see this stuff play out. And I know Adley Rutschman was someone that you were so excited to talk about last offseason, even more so now, because now we've seen him and we've seen more of him. And it's uh, it was something obviously, that if there's anything in this world that Sarah's not excited about to talk about in baseball, I'm surprised. But this one even more so to be able to write about Adley Rutschman. So uh, how about this? How about you just teach me about Adley Rutschman, Sarah? I will do that. So this was inspired by our top 10 list at Catcher when we came in and taped our Sabre top 10 for Catcher. I came in with J.T. Realmuto as my number one catcher in baseball right now and Adley number two. And I did this thing that I've done a few times with the show and I need to stop doing where I didn't really believe my list. I wanted to put Adley one, but I didn't want to be the outlier. I didn't want to be the only person who had him number one. Lo and behold, I get there. Mike Petriello and Minchinero both have him number one, and I'm the old guard with JT Real Muto. So right off the bat, no disrespect to JT, but I really, truly think Adley will be the best catcher in baseball this year. So I wrote a story about him, as you alluded to, and really talking about why I was wrong (laughs) with the list I went on TV and talked about, which I basically went on TV and said, yeah, I don't believe this. He should be one. So I wrote it out. And what I wrote, I'm kind of going to walk you through. It's a pop-up from Willie Castro. Rutschman, Henderson are there. Just to make it a little more fun. Just do it. Ali Rutschman last year had a 133 weighted runs granted plus. 
We've talked about that stat. That means that his offense was 33% better than league average. That's really good, especially for a catcher. Uh, there were 34 players last year to the least, 250 plate appearances as a catcher. That 133 weighted runs created plus was the highest of any of them. So even though he didn't play as many games as Real Muto or any of the other great catchers out there, Sean Murphy, he had, on a rate basis, the best offensive year. And part of what makes him so good is his play discipline. So in college and in the minors, he had that kind of stat where he walked more often than he struck out. He didn't do that last year, but he did have a 13.8% walk rate. So there were 167 players to have at least 450 plate appearances last year. Eight of them had a higher walk rate than Adley Rutschman. So in addition to being a great catcher, we'll get to that. This guy seeing Major League Pitching for the first time had the ninth highest walk rate in baseball and again the highest among catchers. So his bat is obviously part of this and then I alluded to the defense. So we know JT Realmuto is the king of pop time. So that is how quickly you receive the ball and then pop up and throw the ball to second base or wherever to get a potential base to JT Realmuto, as long as he is healthy, will lead the majors in that category. But Adley Rushman was among the top 10 in framing. He was in that top five in pop time and he has a good arm. So he was not a better uh, catcher in terms of getting potential base dealers than Real Muto. But overall, he was a very good catcher. And we have a really exciting new StatCast stat that I probably can't say any more about than that that will show us another way that he was a really good catcher. That's all I'll say, and I'm sure when it comes out, Mike and uh, Matt will have a full breakdown. But suffice to say, Adley is a really good catcher as well. And this is a premium position where it's not enough to just be the best hitting catcher. As certain positions, we accept a guy as the best at his position, even if he isn't a good defender. This is not one of those positions, but he puts it all together. And so this all leads to the fact that he is projected for 5.6 war this year. Uh, I just want to say one in the middle of all this. Please tell me you're reading some of these stats somewhere because if you just have these logged into your brain and you can no, just like no. open a filing cabinet somewhere into your brain and just start reading uh, reading all of these off, it's ridiculously impressive. I wanted to ask you real quick, did you tweet about the fact that you shouldn't rank things based on what you think is the right thing? Because I think I saw you said, like, don't take this advice. This is not how you should show up with a list. Yeah. Okay. I, I was going to say, I swear I saw that. And I, I, like, laughed out loud at that because that is as Sarah as it gets. Because I can picture you thinking of how to list this out, wanting to put Adley number one. And you're trying to battle back and forth of not trying to hurt people's feelings, not trying to do the wrong thing, not trying to be the odd one in the group while also sticking to the credibility of, okay, this is where it should be. And for anyone from the outside would have no idea how much of a mental tug of war that is for you. So I found that very funny. So if you had more on him, sorry, go ahead. I just thought I remembered that tweet. All I was going to say is that uh, he's projected for tied for the fifth best war in baseball this year obviously the highest demanding catcher and I think 
he is going to put it all together as he did last year. But we'll see it in a full season, and he is going to be such a joy to watch this year. I think things like walk rate and that type of stuff are so underrated. I mean, everyone wants the boomer bust, and I, I think that's very clear. And I, I, specifically me, heard a lot about that because Cleveland was so opposite of that. And everyone's saying, oh, it's all about home runs. It's, it's yes, I get that. But seeing young players come up and be able to make the transition to the big leagues without, okay, they all struggle at some point. But to see them overall be able to not seem overwhelmed by that transition, to me, is one of the most impressive things and underrated things. And the number one thing that you can define that with is patience at the plate. And, I mean, you hear every manager talk about the fact that the game can speed up on you. And even it can happen to the, you know, veterans. It doesn't have to be a a rookie um, in big moments in the playoffs, whatever it might be. But someone coming up to the big leagues for the first time, this game is going at a different type of a speed than you'd see in double A, triple A, whatever it might be. And so I think looking at walk rate for me is something that really shows just how confident they are, just how much of a mental ability they have to not get too ahead of themselves. And I was spoiled to be able to watch Stephen Kwan do that just from out of the gate last year. Um, rarely swinging and missing, let alone striking out. And um, his, just all that type of stuff to me is so impressive. So I liked how much that you hit on that as well, because it's just such an underrated part of the game and maybe not one that you see as much with with catchers. Um, And so I, I, I think that's, to me, there's a thousand things that are impressive about Adley Rutschman, and I think it'll be fun to watch him this year. But to me, the way that he handled that, being such a young player is uh, was really, really cool to see. Definitely. And then I want to kind of transition to something else I'm really excited to see this year, which is the way that the rule changes that are coming affect the run game in baseball. So we know that stolen bases are pretty much at an all-time low. They're not what they had been even earlier in our lifetime. But I think with larger bases and the influence of the pitch timer, I think we may see more stolen bases this year. I think that's part of the goal of the role. And so I started looking into, okay, We've only seen four 40-40 seasons in MLB history. Jose Canseco in 1988, Barry Bonds in 96, Alex Rodriguez in 1998, and Alfonso Soriano in 2006. So I took a look at who are some guys who could do it this year with the idea of you know, maybe projections for stolen bases are probably lowballed right now because we don't know what the effect will be of the rule changes and just looking at guys who have that power speed comma. So the list of guys I came up with were Ronald Acuna Jr., who almost did it back in 2019. He had 41 home runs and 37 stolen bases. He was so close. But if he even gets a 30-30 season, he will be the first guy to do that twice at this age, through his age 25 season, which is amazing to me. I think it's funny to see Soriano on that list because I completely forgot that he did this. So uh, I think he's one of those underrated players too. So I've, I think he's, uh, I thought that was funny. But yes, continue. Uh, so he's one I had. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez is another. He was one of those guys last year with 90th percentile hard hit rate and 90th percentile sprint speed. The only other guys on that list were Mike Trout and Byron Buxton. I got emails saying, hey, how about Byron Buxton? 
He is not much of a base stealer. He has the speed, but he doesn't use it that way. If he chose to be a base stealer, he is obviously a number one a candidate if he stays healthy, but just as a slight tangent. And then a couple other guys I had on my list, Michael Harris II, Bobby Witt Jr., and Jazz Chisholm, all of whom have that explosiveness. And then I had sort of like long shots, guys who probably won't ever get there, might not, but certainly have the tools to. Shohei Otani, Cedric Mullins, Fernando Tenis Jr., and Kyle Tucker. Could you imagine if Shohei Otani did that? Like, this world would explode. This world, I mean, he's already blowing everyone away of what he's able to do. And because of just the basics to him, what are basics, of what he's able to do, he's going to be, like, an MVP candidate every single year because he's the best at both things of hitting and pitching, and it makes no sense to uh, the normal humankind. And so... If he could do something like that, I'm telling you, this world would absolutely explode. That would be so fun to watch. And I can't even imagine all of the texts that I would get from you during all of that period. So, um, yes. But I know part of the reason that we wanted to talk about this as well, which was funny specifically to me, because I obviously would know this type of a response, was uh, MLB Network posted this on Instagram, this um a tease to this story and had a graphic up of all the players that you could have projected that might be the most likely to have a 40-40 season. And of course, Jose Ramirez, Guardians third baseman, uh, posts under there a comment with a whole bunch of laughing emojis. One, that's his personality to a T. So that did not surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> I thought that was very comical. Um, two, Cleveland loves to feel like an underdog. They are accepting that reality and they get annoyed at times with the fact that the national attention is always on um, other teams. But I think it's very one that's something that fuels them. So if that, if that fuels Jose Ramirez to that, I'd be fine covering that. Go for it. I Let's hope do it. he does it. The biggest thing with Jose Ramirez and why maybe he could be a long shot for this is um, he is insane on the bases. He has Mm -hmm. an unbelievable intelligence when it comes to base running uh, that you can't really teach. He has a a feel for it. He has an aggressiveness that is so natural um, yet safe at the same time. I don't know how he does it. It looks like when he takes off running that he's going to be thrown out by a mile or it looks like it was just such a bad call on his behalf and somehow he's safe and it looks like, okay, why why was anyone worried about him taking off in that moment? Um, and so with their mentality that they created last year of go wild on the basis, always go first to third, take the extra bag when you can take it, I think that mentality has only taken him to the next level. And with, as you talked about, the rules changes with the ba- uh, the bases getting bigger. Goodness, I think that he has a chance of stealing an incalculable number of bases. I, I think he has that in him. Um, I think a big thing would be to see how he recovers from his hand surgery this offseason. Uh, you can look at the numbers if you want to in your spare time and you're weird and nerdy like us and you look up that type of stuff when you're bored. Um, you can look at him from mid-June, from whenever the injury happened. Uh, up until then, he was uh, on fire. He was unstoppable. He was such a force for this offense. And then after June, when the hand injury happened, he fell off significantly. Um, so if that's bothering him at all going into this year it's hard to consider him a long shot for 40 homers. Um, But I think if he can be perfectly healthy with Josh Bell behind him in the order, he finally has a threat behind him so he can see a little bit better pitching. Yeah, sure. Maybe in some sort of a way, he's a long, long shot. But I definitely think every name on this list comes before Jose Ramirez whenever you're starting to think of something like that. But he is a guy I did consider... And I almost put him on the long shots. And I will say he's projected 
for 20, uh, 20 stolen bases and 30 homers, which is basically what he did last year. And of course, as you mentioned, some of that was well injured, so I can certainly see how a healthy version of that and possibly a more stolen base friendly environment could lead there. And I mean, this is a guy who had 39 homers and 34 stolen bases in 2018. He's been close, and even in 2021, he had 36 and 27. I think a 40-30 season is very, very realistic. I think it's going to come down to what that influence is of the changes, the rule change. And as you said, he's a very uh, intelligent base runner. And if I look at it, I mean, he's never been caught stealing more than seven times in a season. To get to 40, (laughs) you may have to be a bit more aggressive than that. He is picking really good spots. Would he have to be picking slightly less good spots in order to get there? I don't know. I was thinking of the hand sliding if it were me. I would not steal a base all year because that sounds like it would hurt. That's why he's a major league baseball player and I'm not. But (laughs) I think he is a great other dark horse. So I love that comment. And I saw that screenshot that too. And I was like, let's talk about this. I love this. And I love that guys are aware of the fact that 4040 is a really cool deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I remember him talking about um, trying to get to a 30-30 season. Oh, gosh. I don't remember if it was last year or the 2021, 2019. I can't remember which year it was, though. But he made it was clear that he was watching that. He he knew that was something yeah. that he wanted to get to. These guys look at that type of stuff. And so um, Guardians fans, if Jose Ramirez has a 40-40 season, Thanks, Sarah Langs, for starting that, adding that fuel to the fire for Jose yes. on his revenge tour. So all credit will be going to you for sure. Um, but you sort of hinted at your top 10 list in the catcher's position um, that we didn't get to last few weeks that we've done this. We'll take a quick break now and we can hit on the others that we haven't gotten to yet because, yes, there's a, there's a couple positions left. And uh, I, I wonder if there's any other ones that you were, were debating and, and regretting your, your spots now. So we'll get to all of Sarah's choices when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, uh, I've now put all the pressure on you. Uh, you've now made that very clear, too. I can I can see it. I can feel it. I've now talked about the fact that we have to talk about all of your choices um, no. for each position. So spotlight is on you. It's your favorite moments. You love whenever the spotlight is as shining brightly as possible on you. So how about we start with, what, middle infield, second base we can start with? Yeah, so there are a couple positions you and I didn't talk about yet. Um, Second base, shortstop, starting pitcher. We kind of already covered catcher um, with my discussion of Adley, so I think we'll skip that. We know who the good names are, obviously, Adley. J.T. Realmuto, Sean Murphy, Will Smith, Wilson Contreras, and then you Alejandro, Kirk, Cal Raleigh, so on and so forth. So we'll go to second base because I think I texted you when I first started doing my list back in December. And I said, oh my gosh, I think Andres Jimenez is a top two second baseman in all of baseball. 
And it was really cool. I mean, whenever there's a Guardians player, I just, I think it's cool. You get to cover them every day. And so my list, I had Jose Altuve 1, Jimenez 2, Jeff McNeil. Now, this was before Josh Chisholm moved to center field. So after the acquisition of Luis Arise, obviously he became a center fielder. So I had him next, but obviously he wouldn't be on the list today. Um, then I had Marcus Semien, Ozzy Albies, Colton Wong, Brennan Donman, Nico Horner, and Cattell Marte. Obviously, we could kind of just switch in Arise in favor of uh, Jazz. At this point, with their changes, when this aired, uh, he was still a second baseman. I think Louis, Luis Arise, that's a good spot for him in general. Like, just literally swapping him out right in that position would not be bad. I think he, I think we talked about this last episode, but um, I think he's uh, kind of an underrated player of the way that he's able to get on base so much. I mean, I know his numbers, it's hard to make him underrated whenever he does hit the ball so well and he's on base so frequently. But I said it last time and Tito has said the fact that he thinks he'll get a batting title one day. So uh, I'm a big fan of watching uh, a rise play. So I think that that four spot, that might just be an easy swap of just throwing him right in there in the middle of things. Uh, obviously among a, a good group of, of, of guys and he'll have to earn that spot this season. But I think that wouldn't be bad swap of just moving Jazz out and throwing in a rise right in that same cleanup spot in your in your little lineup here. Yeah, I like that. And I really want to talk about Andres Jimenez. I mean, we've talked about him on this podcast, not just as a great player, but as a really good guy and a great guy for you to cover. But I really like the way he has staked his claim as the second baseman. I mean, when he was traded over, he was a shortstop, so was Ahmed Rosario. We didn't really know, but we knew that he was really good defensively. And he was able to really show that this year the bat was enough. And I just think, I mean, Altuve, Jimenez, Jeff McNeil, in whatever order, that's three really, really good players all together there. That's a really strong trio. Um, Jimenez is somebody who, uh, like you said, he's not a second baseman. Like, he's a shortstop if you asked him. And he's still just playing there because they don't know where to put Ahmed Rosario. And Ahmed Rosario seems to only hit if he's a shortstop. So... Well, they need offense, so throw him at short. That's fine. Uh, Jimenez has done a decent job of figuring out how to play second, it seems like. Uh, Every pitcher talks about it for the Guardians. They say it's just so comforting to know that you have someone like Jimenez behind you at second. The ball's hit to the right side of the infield. They breathe easy because no matter where it is, it seems like he figures out a way to get there. Uh, I'm a person who loves defense. Absolutely love it. I could sit there and watch players take ground balls all day, every day. When Francisco Lindor was in uh, Cleveland's camp, I would just sit outside at spring training and just watch him field because he just, he has a smoothness about him that the typical player does not have. It's like that star material. And just to see that in the way that someone fields a ground ball, I love it. To me, Defense is everything. So Jimenez is outstanding as a defender. Fun for me personally to be able to watch. Um, But then offensively, he's been he was a rock for them this year. And so when you combine both of those, it's hard to argue against him being anywhere but at the top. And uh, obviously, when you have to go against Jose Altuve, that's a difficult one to dethrone from the top of that list. So um, he's in a good spot there at at the second position. But I mean, this offseason, he went to the Guardians and was like, look, if I'm playing for Team Venezuela during the World Baseball Classic, I'm probably going to play shortstop. Are you fine with me playing Winter League and getting more reps at shortstop? And that's exactly what he did. So um, in his head, he's a shortstop. I know that he would think that. And he's definitely an option for there moving forward. But goodness, the versatility he shows to be outstanding at really anywhere you would put him, that's really been impressive to watch. Absolutely. And you just uh, made reference to Francisco Lindor, so we'll go over to shortstop. And 
these lists we actually had to go back. So we taped them. We were all good. Carlos Gray was on the New York Mets. He was the third baseman. We were all set. And then the next day, literally the next day, <laughs> he signed with the Twins. He's a shortstop again. And all of a sudden, we have to redo our list. So this was round two of shortstop. So I had Francisco Lindor one, Trey Turner two, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Corey Seager, Wander Franco, Jeremy Pena, Bo Bichette, Willie Adamas, and Dansby Swanson. There is so much talent at this position, and putting Lindor one was really exciting to me for the player. I mean, I doubt he cares, but he had that first year in New York where he was perceived to have not lived up to expectations and all of these things, all the while having a great defensive year and being better than he got credit for. So in 2022, he had an actual Lindor season. That's it on the ground, smothered by Lindor. He gets to his feet and throws out Vargas. Second terrific play of the inning by Lindor, and that one saved a run. And it was just very good to see that and to show that narrative is not everything. Obviously, Trey Turner just got the big contract. He's really, really speedy. We know that. His defense isn't as good, so that's kind of a differentiator. But obviously, a lot of tools there. And to me, Correa... If he continues to be Carlos Correa and stays healthy, he could easily be the number one next year. He and Lindor have that MVP kind of quality where they could be an MVP in their team. No disrespect to Trey Turner, but he plays with Bryce Harper. It's a little different. But I think that those two guys, who are so linked, by the way, uh, that they are really that cream of the crop. I think I'm mostly just relieved when you look at this list to just know that the Carlos Correa saga is over. Um, That was just, that was exhausting for fans. I can't even imagine how exhausting it was for him. Um, that was the most insane thing I've ever witnessed. But for me, um, I think it would be interesting to see this year how Correa ends up maybe with a fully healthy season if he's somebody who could end up somehow moving up that list. I know three's already there. Uh, okay, that's top three's already a good ranking, but could he be more? Can he be more for this Twins team who's trying to piece together something to stay atop the AL Central, stay competitive in the AL Central, now that the Guardians have proven that they can be competitive as well. And the White Sox, it seems like everyone says it's their year every single year now. And so you're trying to hang on. And I think Carlos Correa is a big piece of that puzzle if they're trying to hang on. It might be the biggest piece of that puzzle. And so if he can have a fully healthy season, if whatever is showing on this physical isn't a problem um, if for him moving forward, I, I wonder if he can turn it up a notch to be a person where it's like, yeah, it's impossible to dethrone Carlos Correa this year from being the best shortstop. Um, maybe it's my AL Central bias of always just watching these teams and seeing how who's uh, playing the best for each one, but... I think uh, he has the chance of being like the X factor for the Twins this year as long as he can stay healthy. Absolutely. And speaking of X factors, I mean, Wander Franco did not play for all of last year. He played part of it. I mean, he didn't play the entire season. And I think we are forgetting that he is very young and very good and has yet to fully influence that team the way he could. So it's really fun to look at him on the list. He played 83 games last year. And look at him and say, this is a guy who is easily a future number one at some point. He is 
as we speak. 21 years old, he turned 22 in about a month. And the that idea so that crazy. there's, I mean, right, <laughs> there's so much good young talent here too with him and Jeremy Pena. And uh, suddenly I feel very old. I uh, don't know how that happens so quickly. <laughs> I'm no older than you. Yeah, well, yeah, you're really old. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> Uh, I hate to make you rank everything more than what you've already done, but is starting pitcher the hardest thing to do of all of these positions? Because to me, it seems like it would just be unbearable. <laughs> I had a list of like 25 guys, like guys who I didn't even get to. This was so, so difficult. So I ended up with Jacob deGrom, I remember talking to you about this and talking to a few people and basically saying he gets one more chance. One more year where if you show us you're healthy, we know you're the best pitcher on the planet. But if he is not pitching the full year this year, we probably dethrone him. We know that the pitcher is the best pitcher in baseball. But it comes down to the workload, the volume, all of that. Now, I had Shohei Otani, too, which was really, really fun. I don't think we are fully aware of how good Shohei Otani was pitching last year. I mean, he basically did not walk, guys. He developed two new pitches during the year. He is so, so good on the mound. I had him too. I had Justin Berlander after that, Samuel Condra, Corbin Burns, Framber Valdez, Max Free, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, and Dylan Cease. The guy who I, I mean, there are a lot. I have a full list of guys who did not make it, which is crazy. The one that maybe I should have switched out for Garrett Cole is Carlos Rodon, who had a better last year, last two years maybe. Uh, But in my mind, it was kind of like, which Yankee ace do I want? They're both really, really good. It's Well, you start looking down this list and to think that you have Garrett Cole towards the end or if it would have been Carlos Rodon, you have Dylan Cease, who had a great year at the bottom of this list. Like, you start looking at the depth of this. One, couldn't pay me enough. No way. I'm not ranking this. This would be <laughs> the biggest headache on the planet. Uh, I remember when you texted me about it saying, who's the best starting pitcher in baseball? And I sent back, oh, no. Like, don't don't put that on me. I'm not doing uh-huh. that. It's a lot. That's a loaded question. But I think the depth of this shows the great state that the game is in because you can turn on the TV basically on any type of night and the 25 guys that you didn't include on this list plus the 10 that are on here, chances are one of them is going to be pitching that night. And it's good pitching is fun. I'm, a, I'm on board of the um, pitcher's duel over a home, uh, home run derby. Like I defense pitching, all of that. I like the I guess the more boring parts of the game, as most people would say, but that's fine. I'll take it. I'll own it. Um, Great pitching is fun. It's so incredible to watch, and it's mind-blowing to think that you look on this list and you have someone like Justin Verlander, who's number three on your list, and he is, what, about to be 40? Isn't it close this month, I'm I'm assuming, I think? Yeah, so a (laughs) 40-year-old... Adjusting to a new team now, still being heavily relied on. Oh, Cy Young. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Casual. To think of of that being in the top three is that's another level of talent that my brain will never process. Um, But I think it's hard to argue against anything because I feel like no matter what, you could argue anything. You could argue that this be in reverse order. You could argue that this be mixed up completely. Um, so the fact that you even landed on an order is very impressive to me. But uh, was DeGrom 
I, for anyone who didn't watch the episode of this being released on MLB Network, was that agreed upon across everyone on the panel? Um, I believe that um, Vince Gennaro had Sandy number one. Um, Mike and I definitely both had DeGrom. I believe the Shredder had Corbin Burns. Okay. Uh, but he was in that top group for everybody. I mean, it's, like you said, I think it, it he's owed another season to, to try to prove that he can stay healthy. It's frustrating when you're watching someone who has that level of talent who just can't stay on the field. I know Twins fans probably feel the same way about Byron Puxton. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there that you're just like, just stay healthy and you could be absolutely incredible to watch day in and day out. Um, if he can stay healthy, I, I think you're right. There's a slam dunk that he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball. So um, we finally can just do one more week of having a moment in baseball when there's no baseball. And next week we'll actually have like content that yeah. players are showing up at the at their facilities. And this is so exciting to think that we're at this point in the season. But leading up to it, I feel like over the last two weeks there was so much on social media that was building that hype. So this one might be a tough one for us to figure out. So when we come back, we will both list our favorite things from baseball over the past two weeks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, like I sort of alluded to, there was actually a lot of content over the last two weeks of all these teams posting these moments and fan fests and all these fun uh, clips on uh, shows and appearances, and there's actually a lot for us to choose between, which is building the excitement to having content consistently over the next nine months or whatever it's about to be. Do you have one moment that uh, is at the top of your list? It's very hard to pick one because, <laughs> as you said, there was so, so much fan fest and caravan and everything. But I'm going to go with the first few seconds of this video that the Mariners posted the it. other day. <laughs> you knew what I was going to pick. So they posted this video of Julio Rodriguez, and it says, don't let anybody set your limits. And it basically traces his journey. It has him playing for, like, the Everett Aqua Sox and all the minor league teams and everything. And... Uh, it has the moment when he called his mom to say he got called up and everything. But the beginning of the video is an interview where he's talking. It says November 6, 2018. He was 17 years old. It was a year after he had signed as, a, as, as an amateur free agent with the Mariners. 17-year-old Julio Rodriguez. And he goes, batting third for the Seattle Mariners, number 44, Julio Rodriguez. I say that in the clubhouse all the time. With the number 44, batting third for the Seattle Mariners, Julio Rodriguez. I always say that in the clubhouse. 17-year-old Julio said not letting anyone set his limits, saying this is going to be me. His uniform number, he has all of it. And he's just saying how happy he is to be thinking about that future. He is still really, really young. But the idea to think of him 
at 17 years old mm-hmm. to be sitting there doing some little interview, whatever it is, and saying, oh, yeah, I walk around and think about coming to bat as the number three hitter from the Mariners. And then he did it. He is the guy. I mean, it is amazing. And by the way, he has a baby face. If you think he looks young now, you should see this video. I mean, it is crazy. But I just, I mean, to watch that, see the date stamp, 2018. And he did it. I mean, it's amazing. I literally ruled that out of what I could use because I knew it was going to be you. That was a slam. Yeah. It's cool for him to have that, to be able to look back on it in like 10 years when, you know, he's on a Hall of Fame track and all that stuff. And he can go back and see baby Julio saying all this stuff. Um, I had to go with Snow Hay. I had to do Snow Hay. Yes. Um, There's a snow festival in Japan. And some sculptor put together the most incredible snow sculpture I have ever seen of like a perfect replica of Shohei Otani's face made out of, you guessed it, snow. And it was not only just his face, but like his batting helmet is on top of his head. Like, how do you have the bill? It's not like it's a big bill, but like a bill of a batting (laughs) helmet hanging over the face of the sculpture without the weight of that snow with nothing supporting it falling off. And how about the eyes? The eyes are like staring into my soul. They're so realistic. I don't understand how he did any of this. It is incredibly um, done. It's amazing to see the pictures of it. I remember you sending it to me, I think, the second you saw it and my jaw just dropped. It looks lifelike, freakishly so, and somehow it's just made out of snow. The only thing I'm disappointed by, I don't know if it's out there, but I have not seen some sort of a time lapse of this guy actually making it. I need that. Oh, my gosh. That's my thing. I want to see how the heck he constructed this thing because it is a beautiful piece of art and I'm, I'm not one for art. So that's saying something for me. Um, baseball based art, I guess is going to be the only thing that gets me, but Same. This it is was why we work. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. This is it. The ear flap on the batting helmets there, the details are just impressive. And so I needed to give this man a proper shout out because I, I don't know how he did it. The only piece of the whole thing that I think I've seen of him actually putting this together was the white of the eye. The last eye was not built yet. And so I like saw him piecing that together to make the the pupil and have the white around it. But like I need more than that, people. I need the whole construction. So if someone has that video, Please post it because I need answers of how the heck he did this. Um, so now I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say a few more. Yep, because here we go. I think I tweeted baseball's best like more times this past week because of everything we mentioned than in the prior three weeks. So there was a moment a week ago on MLB Network where Pete Fairbanks was doing an interview yes. after signing an extension. He has a kid on his lap. Clearly, there was a child care lapse or something. And his three-year-old son, Isaac, comes <laughs> over and announces that he is now potty trained. And Pete's just like, great, but you got to say that right now. It's great, darling. There he is. I did, I did the potty. Great job, Are buddy. Are you coming you in too? Hey, bud. It. Yeah, uh, mom has. Mom you got has I mean, this is when you break news. This is what he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was exactly. doing. Exactly. He took advantage exactly. of the moment. Now another one. Uh, the Rockies and um, Astros announced that they're going to do a all-female broadcast on Root Sports for a uh, spring training game on March 11th and have Jenny Kavnar, Angie Mendick, Jen Mueller, Julia Morales. But what I loved is that the producer and director of the game are also women. 
no, no shade to any other broadcast. But I love with when this can filter all the way to that because if you haven't worked in TV production, producer and director are more important than anybody else doing it. If not for them, nothing's getting on air. Nobody knows where to be or what to do. So, I mean, we're more of the on-air people. Uh, but I'm saying we matter nothing compared to the producer and director. So I just love that they're also having women in those roles for that. And then the Orioles had their caravan. There was a lot from there. I won't go into all of it. Adley Rutschman uh, chugging beers. If you're into that, you should go look at it. If you're into that. <laughs> but also there was a little kid who wanted John Means autograph and he called him John Memes. Hey, it was close enough. John Memes is probably the best thing that you could probably change that to. It's a legendary name. It was so cute. And then, all right, I'm almost done. But the Padres, I love these like caravans and city tours. I know why people like FanFest and they're really good too. But what I like about the caravan and the city tour is that you put players into everyday people's environments as opposed to people coming to the players. So the Padres did the thing last week where they went around San Diego, did a handful of community events all in one day. And the uh, fifth grade student ambassadors at a school made the players sign in on the sign-in sheet when they showed up to school. So there is a sign-in sheet that says Jake Cronenworth, Ethan Salas, Juan Soto, Tim Hill. Just little things of like they're in the kids' world now that I love so much. There was also a moment where Juan Soto got approached by a Dodgers fan and the fan just wanted to say hello on the street. He took the fan's hat and gave the Padres hat off his head and said, this is yours now. Slangs, you claimed you had one favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm cutting her off, guys. I'm cutting her off before we get into every baseball is the best moment, which, as she just said, I can, I can uh, vouch for. There were a lot that she tweeted out this week, so this was uh, the ratio was definitely high. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.